This is the Be Helpful Podcast, where conversations with budding entrepreneurs prepare you for the wild journey of building a business or side hustle. I'm Boy Adebayo, and we pick back up on our fascinating conversation with Jade McDonald, the Chief Product Officer of Navigate Maternity. In part one, we explored the founding of Navigate Maternity, the importance of an iterative approach, and shared time management tactics. This week, we'll be diving deeper into Jade's experience in co-founding remotely with her sorority sisters, how Navigate became really efficient and successful with pitch competitions and early stage fundraising, and the key to determining what is good enough for your MVP. Get ready for another insight-filled episode, and don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. The Be Helpful podcast is brought to you by Yensel. If you're looking for an easy to start side hustle with zero upfront cost, visit yensel.com. Yensel allows you to sell documents online. You can finally make money off of that spreadsheet that you made for your wedding or that travel itinerary you made for your last vacation. You can upload your documents and start selling in less than 10 minutes. Visit yensel.com to start your side hustle today. Um, Let's talk about your team and how you guys are operating because you guys are remote and i also am kind of co-founding with two of my closest friends in the world but we are geographically spread out and so let's share some stories like what's that like (laughs) how hard can it be to try to build something from scratch when you're not sitting in the same room yeah that's how this challenges as i'm sure you know um I think the biggest, maybe like the two hurdles that I find, I'm the only one who's in a different time zone. So Mm. we end up with like some of those like, oops, I thought you meant 10 o'clock, but if you meant 11 o'clock, you know, those little things. And that can be a hiccup in time management for sure. Um, But we touch base. We have um, team calls like all hands twice a week. And that's super Mm. helpful. Um, but it can be hard to build a culture that way, right? So as we're working on like bringing on more people, our focus is making sure that we are spending some time physically together. We don't know what that looks like yet. Um, it's like, you know, I know in a couple of months we're getting together in Fort Wayne so that we can really all get on the same page and like talk strategy and some of those, you know, things that you lose when you're not face to face and we're not cameras on. Um, Does your team do cameras on when you talk? Not all the time, um, but it's, it's kind of the, if one person does it, the rest kind of follow. Um, So it, it really depends on who's feeling froggy that day. That's nice. Yeah, I like cameras on, but uh, we don't do it a whole lot. So, you know, then you lose the connection or you lose that bit. So I like a cameras on situation, Um, but everyone's in different areas as they're calling in. One of our one of our um, executive leadership team members, she is a hospitalist, so she's in the hospital working she can't do that you might hear like a bunch of stuff in the background ariana's got four kids and they're on the call you know they recognize <laughs> our voices and they'll be like hey auntie what you doing like, oh, gosh, no, not right now. or you know we're, we're constantly moving so it's interesting to like sometimes think about 
what space other people might be in because we're not in this space together. Yeah. Um, on any given day, that looks different. It's I don't know. It's very colorful for sure. Um, I don't know if that even answered your question, but no, it no, it does because it's <clears throat> it's very similar. So we have we have um, I'd probably say our longer meetings are Sundays. So every every Sunday we we meet, um, and then on Wednesdays we have a check in, kind of hold each other accountable. Sometimes it's supposed to be thirty minutes, but usually it's like forty five minutes to an hour. Um, and then we just starting this year, we brought on two interns. And that's been interesting because, again, Mark, Les, and I are really close friends from college. We've known each other for 15 years. So there's a, there is a, I would say, innate culture that we have because of how long we've known each other. And we've been very mindful of, okay, we need to be mindful of this when we bring on new team members because that could make them uncomfortable. And we've got to make sure that they don't feel like we inherently are a clique or something like that. And so one of the things we started doing very early, um, just to make sure that the business didn't take over our friendship, was we start every meeting with life check-ins. Ooh, I like Hey, that. man. What's going on with your life? How's it going? Boom, boom, boom. This is where I'm at. This is how Amari's doing. Kind of this is we just kind of talk about it. And sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's ten minutes, but we give space for that. And what was really exciting was when the interns came, they just joined it. So oh. now all five of us just talk about like, oh, it's spring break. This is what we did. Um, oh, you know, I'm traveling and this is what's going on. So we get to share and, and create that culture of, hey, we care about you as a human first. <laughs> and then we can start talking about business. And so um, that's been really cool. But I would agree that it has been very, very hard to understand the timing of things especially when you're dependent on each other so like for example yesterday well you know les and i were texting basically all day about kind of a technical a small technical need i needed from him but as i was describing it he was like well if that's what you're asking for it's much bigger so now we're sitting here going back and forth he can't hop on the call because he's working I can't hop on a call because I'm dealing with Amari. <laughs> and it's not until, it's not until, you know, 1130 at night, he's like actually got a chance to sit down at his desk, work on it. And I'm like, yeah, could you include this? Could you do that? And so there's that interesting dynamic of not only being remote, but then also being part-time, right? It, it, it's a very interesting kind of um, dynamic world that you have to operate in. And so, I'm I'm continuously trying to bully them into moving to Chicago. Huh? Um, <laughs> so now this happened pre Yensel, but but like I'm constantly trying to get them to move to Chicago because I think that if they do, one we all will have a you know much needed kind of you know weekly get together as boys. But I think that it, it would help business too. Um, but we're figuring it out. It's 2023. <laughs> I think that's beautiful that you've brought your interns into the fold, like into your culture as friends. Um, yeah. I feel like we've done it almost the opposite way where, so three of us actually are Deltas and we came from the same chapter. And so our 
training, so to speak, is similar where like we keep the friendship, we try our best to keep the friendship separate and like out of the meetings, um, which makes sense, right? We want things to be clean and easy, but but we also miss out on, hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, so I think I might take that back to the team and see what we can do with it because that's awesome. I'm just, it, it is, and it's also cool to hear success on both sides of it um, mm-hmm. or effectiveness, whatever you want to call it. Um, my big concern, I think, was I'm only going to talk to these guys about business. Mm. And that I didn't want to happen because, um, one, our friendships are much more than that. But then, two, a guest of on the show actually mentioned, hey, when you're starting a business with people, you've got to ask yourself, will they be at your kid's birthday party 10 years after the business fails? Mm. And I was like, interesting. So I don't ever want our relationship to be 95% about Yensel. And then God forbid something doesn't work out. And all of a sudden we're just like, so what are we talking about now, guys? It's really, you know, so, so, so that's been interesting. Um, But, but yeah, but at the same time, it does present challenges because sometimes we, (laughs) sometimes we got to be like, Hey, we should uh, we should talk about this offline, <laughs> or 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 we're like, are we recording this conversation? Because this yeah, is yeah. Personal. <laughs> yeah. When things get real interesting in the meeting, it's like, oh, maybe we just pause the recording. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about um, bootstrapping and fundraising and pitch competitions. Um, how's that going? It's going well. So I think our team has done a good job of splitting up our responsibilities too. Um, We've been pretty strategic with the way that we've pitched. At first, we started with all four of us pitching virtually. You know, we were still kind of coming off the heels of COVID. And um, we really wanted to start our family and friends round with events where we would, you know, host a dinner and have a bunch of potential investors come, but it wasn't working that way um, because people were still scared to come outside. So we did these virtual, they were, you know, just kind of almost like a little chat. So anyone can come in if you're generally interested and talk. So all four of us would be on those. And we started realizing it was probably a, a better use of our time to take the two people in our team who are uh, from the outside looking in the most emotionally invested, right? So we have a mom of four and we have an OBGYN and have them go out and start pitching. And that was nice because, you know, repetition is the best practice. They go through extremely easily and quickly and, you know, they know that deck inside and out backwards and forwards. Uh, And they've done an excellent job of showing up for virtual events, in-person events, and pitching. On the other side, Thea and I, that's our COO, we do uh, a lot of the marketing on on this side of it. So I was like, okay, everyone, this is where we're going to be. And this is how our pitch went. And just keeping people in touch. And our current investors or people who are interested and I are responsible for keeping them engaged and letting them know what's happening. So I think as we've continued 
to pitch. Um, we've just gotten better and better. We were really fortunate with our friends and family round. Uh, that went extremely well. And now we're going into seed and really starting to make ourselves available for pitch competitions. We, we've done really well at those. So MedTech Color, we got third place there. Um, we ended up doing really well with this Verizon Accelerator. So we're working with Verizon now. Uh, it's, it's been amazing, but I think what we've done is really cast a wide net uh, and divide and conquer. And that's been effective for us. Yeah. No, that, that that's awesome. That's amazing, and even your your dog is cheering for you, which I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but no, that that that's really smart. And and you know, one of the things that I'm currently the kind of working preparing on is is that casting that wide net. It's like, okay, well, what you know, which ones are we going to apply to? <laughs> which ones make the most sense? How do we kind of set up a system um, and, and start going for it? Because I think that a lot of those competitions do provide not only capital, but press and validation and, and all of those things. And so that's awesome that you guys are, are doing those things. You kind of figure out a system and even more importantly, again, as the operations person, you've got the front end going out and doing it. And then you've got the updates that you're still touching the people that are already on board, on board with it to, to let them know the success story. So that's awesome. Yeah. And even that has, has been iterative. So like we're continuously like, okay, um, did we talk enough about med tech color? No. How are we going to do it next time? Okay. We didn't have anyone there collecting content for us. Next time, maybe we need to hire one of our little cousins or, you know, like just yeah. finding ways to be more and more effective every time um, has been actually, I think it's been fun because I like that just like constant improvement. Mm-hmm. That's cool. uh, but it didn't start off that way. So I think the best thing is just like you said, get started, figure out which ones you're you're shooting for uh, and just do it. If it's not perfect you roll the tape back and say, okay, I see what I could have done better. And before you know it, it's six months later and you got these two women over here running through the pitch, like they've been doing it their whole life. And then we have, you know, me and Thea like, okay, well, uh, we know what to do here. And it's, it comes out and then you look back and you're like, look at what all that trying did. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's there's a lot of wisdom in that. So we've talked a little bit about the iterative approach that you that you've enjoyed and kind of is, I guess I'll, I'll say a little bit more natural for you probably, um, given your background. Were there any was there anyone on the team that that was uncomfortable for them? <laughs> um, and and how did how did you guys negotiate that? How did you guys figure that out? Ooh. I have to think about that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Give me a second. Because I, I know. You don't got to name them if you, if you Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, you know what? I actually think I was the drama a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. So in that situation, um, yes, 
I like to iterate. And this was in the very beginning, right? So I'm building the product or designing it frame by frame, which I was completely loving doing. But when we first started, um, the team had been intact for a year and they had an idea of what they wanted, how they wanted things to go. Um, And I was coming in, you know, talking about a couple of solutions and framing out what our product was going to look like. And then every week I would bring it to them and say, okay, what do you all think about this? And they're like, well, I think this, and I think this, I'm like, okay, okay, let me go back and fix it. And then we do this week after week after week. And it's, you know, because I want this to go well and I want this to look good. Um, At a certain point though, I realized, oh, we're going to end up in this process forever because everyone has their own vision Everyone has what they want this to look like, you know, way down the line. Everyone has input. Everyone's got an opinion. But we have to get to a point where we say, you know, this is good enough to show to the individuals who are going to be using this. And we are going to take their feedback and iterate on that. Um, And so I think... Yeah, it's still me. Like I had to accept, okay, well, she doesn't really like the colors that we chose. She thinks that we need um, to make it a little bit more fun or like have a wellness aspect. Everyone has an idea of what perfect is. But, and again, this comes back to design, design skills, I guess. For me, it was, well, the person who really should be telling us this is our user. So, you know, let's collect all of this. Let's figure out the minimum viable product. First of all, it's probably going to be a lot more minimal than I would like for it to be. Uh, (laughs) You know, like let's get it down to the bare bones, talk to the people who are going to be using it and start iterating with them. Um, Because I was realizing there's not necessarily going to be a point that all of us are happy with it. And we know that this is going to be effective. So I, you know, it was a process of kind of letting go. That's a, that's a, that's a very real answer. Um, and it's a very real perspective. And I, I'm, I'm going to pick your brain just a little bit more as a designer. How do you determine what's good enough for an MVP? Because we had a similar challenge too, where, you know, we're designing it and I'm thinking about all of the features that I think are awesome. And I'm like, Oh my God, when we get that, it's going to be sweet. And like, yeah. Is it like the fundamental functional things that we need? No, but like, it's going to encourage more people to sign up. So like, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you figure that out? Oh man, that's been a wild ride too. So Trying to remember, we had some specifications and requirements when I joined the team that we wanted. Uh, And I remember just kind of having to cut certain ones out. We ended up having a meeting with the team that was just like, what do, what are the most important things, pieces of data that we need to collect from these mothers to keep them safe? Like, And that's what we're going to go with, you know, we're going to, and we want to do those well. And we know that we're going to have a limited budget. So let's understand our budget 
Uh, we didn't really have a time frame, so to speak, at that point. So it was just, you know, when we get done, we get done. But uh, we want to keep it as bare bones as possible so that we're maximizing the quality of the most important features. And then from there, testing those, making sure that's also what's important to our users. Because what I think is important may not actually be what uh, an OBGYN in Denver finds important. So asking those questions when we're testing our MVP was really helpful. So it's like, okay, outline. And we had the insight of a CMO to help us, right? It's like, okay, these are the key things that we need from a provider standpoint. These are the key things that we need from a patient standpoint. All the other bells and whistles, um, we keep a backlog. And this is where I get really nerdy, but I have a lot of things that I would love to see happen, right? But in the MVP, do we want to spend a bunch of time on gamifying maybe? No, because we don't know how well that's going to work. We want like also the bare bones to see without these little bells and whistles, how well will we stay afloat? Right. Does the product do what it's supposed to do before we do all of this extra stuff? Um, and then in our, our first testing process, our usability tests, I asked a lot of our users, you know, what else would help here? What else would you like to see? Is there anything that's missing that, that you might be interested in? And that's been helpful. Um, and the next thing we'll do when the MVP is actually done is ask some more of those questions. I really want to bake that into our test process to even see if some of the features that I'm excited about are really going to bring value to the experience. So I would say, um, and the way that I broke it down, like if I were giving you advice, I have another girlfriend who wants to start building an app. I was like, pick from every user that you have, for us, we have two different, it's like patient facing, provider facing. What are the three key things that need to be possible via your app for it to be valuable? And stick to those. Anything else that comes up, keep it in a backlog. If you happen across $3 million and you want to add it you know, to your MVP, go off. But if not, let's focus on these things. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's really good advice. And, and I appreciate that because one of the things I love the fact that you you went back to the root, which was what's going to keep mother safe. Right. Like what's the core of what we're trying to solve? And just thinking back on our journey or our process around defining our MVP, um, you know, I. As the consultant I brought in, I was like, let's do a, Mos a Moscow, you know, a must have, a should have, a could have, a won't have. Like, let's, let's, let's Wow, this is the first time hearing of that. I like that. <laughs> I was like, let's do, let's do this whole little framework. And, and I think it did, um, I think I was asking myself those same questions. Um, of course, Les being, you know, a developer, he had that framework of, hey, but do you really need that? Like, no, but seriously, do you need that? <laughs> and so... <laughs> So I, I think um, I think that was helpful. But since we launched our MVP, it has been interesting how we've had to reevaluate our backlog and feature development process because all of the cool stuff that we thought about, we're just like, all right, cool. Well, we're going to build it now, right? 
<laughs> and it doesn't really work that way. Um, and so we started, you know, we started going through the process of, okay, let's put it on the backlog. Let's have a system for scoring it. Let's do a t-shirt size for what it's going to take. And then let's make a, com- uh, make a decision on what's the priority for us. Is it getting sellers? Okay, well, this is a, a feature that will help get sellers to the platform. Is it to attract buyers? Okay, well, those are three features that are pretty small that we can implement that will make a big impact. So it, it even the process has evolved. And it's hilarious because we are all kind of working professionals in that field. Right, like we've all done this for big companies, <laughs> but now we're on our own. Kind of, oh shoot! Like, how do we how do we make and mold these processes into our own? It's it is actually quite hilarious to uh, have to live it and have to deal with it. Yeah, and, well, I get excited about stuff like that. Like, we're yeah. <laughs> I might be the only one on the team who's excited. I don't know, but I love it. Like you saying, okay, we're costing this. Like, what is the priority? Um, I haven't even shown the team our backlog yet just because I don't, I want us to focus on the MVP and not get too excited or like move too far ahead, but I'm doing much of the same by myself. I'm like, okay, uh, okay. The goal of this, like, how is this extra feature actually going to help us? What would be the goal for the patient? What would be the goal for the provider? How much work do I think it's going to take? Okay. We all like, I'll just make this a P1 for now. I don't know. It's just a made up cost thing, but it's, That, I get excited about that type of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Because it allows you to kind of shape the future and like what you want to see this product evolve to. Um, yeah. And it is. It all comes from my full-time yeah. job. Uh, and it, it's nice to kind of pull those skills in. And it means yeah. so much more when it's your stuff. Like when it's your product, you're like, okay, like this is nice. This isn't just like... <laughs> You know, uh, what do they call it? Like backlog grooming. And, you know, you're, you mm-hmm. have an attachment to the product. So it's really cool. Yeah. Next week, we wrap up our conversation with Jade by exploring how much time she spends thinking versus doing hands-on keyboard work. We hit our fun concluding questions and how you can reach out and learn more about the great work that they are doing to keep Black mothers safe. As always, leave a review telling us what you learned and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit BeHelpfulPodcast.com for more content, tools, and resources that'll help you along your entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for listening and see you next time.